Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. Welcome back. I guess we're welcoming you back, but we're actually the ones that are back on your computer or device of choice. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to trying to keep it light around here uh, in the world of, of Trek. There was actually, right before we started podcasting, there was some kind of bummer news yeah uh composer james horner uh passed away um in a plane crash he uh he did the score for uh star trek 2 the wrath of khan and star trek 3 the search for spock as well as like a whole lot of other things yeah i mean obviously obviously he's done a lot of work but in regards to trek yeah i mean two huge trek movies i mean especially wrath of khan mm-hmm. i mean that music i mean that's one of the things that makes that movie so great is the music um that and you know kurt screaming khan so um in honor of of james horner we scream horner or something I, I, I'm, I'm not on board <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I guess I was just choosing to look on the bright side of it. I don't know. I deal with 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 sad news in a in a strange way sometimes. Well, it's hard to segue out of this, but uh, Yeah. Uh we're going to talk about Star Trek? Uh let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise, season 2, episode 5, A Night in Sick Bay, original air date October 16th, 2002. So this was kind of like a Halloween episode, maybe? Mm, kind Ish. of. I mean, I'm just trying to explain it, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's just get into this. Let's get it done with. <laughs> let's get it over with. Um, episode opens with Hoshi, Tapal, Archer, and Porthos in a decontamination chamber. They're coating each other with gel. Sparkly uh, gel. Yeah, they spent five days groveling, as Archer puts it, to the Cretacens for eating in front of them months ago in the episode Voxola. Mm. They were apologizing to the Cretacens because they need a plasma injector from them. Archer is pissed uh, because they had to spend five days groveling until they could go down to the Cretacen planet. Then they had to wait for 12 hours, and then they're told to leave right away without a plasma injector. Flox calls and tells the crew members that they can leave, but he needs to keep an eye on Porthos because Porthos picked up a pathogen on the planet. Porthos is left behind as the opening credits kick in. And he's also sparkling because Archer was rubbing sparkly gel into him. It, that, apparently that gel didn't work. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, in engineering, Trip tells Archer that they desperately need a new plasma injector because they have exactly how many they need without any backups. Archer wants to keep going without finding a spare injector. Archer acts like a child as he talks about how he doesn't want to deal with the Cretacens, despite Trip coolly telling him that the Cretacens make good plasma injectors. Mm-hmm. Archer begrudgingly says he'll talk to T'Pol about what they might have done to insult the Cretacens this time. Archer, uh, throughout this episode, is very much a child. Yeah. It's like he's just completely, I mean, he's very out of character. Yes. I mean, even for Archer. So, uh, yeah, we'll discuss this later. <laughs> uh, Archer goes into sickbay to talk to Flox when he sees Porthos in an isolation chamber. 
Phlox tells Archer that Porthos's autoimmune system is collapsing for some unknown reason. Archer is pissed at the Cretacens for not telling him that there would be a pathogen in their atmosphere that could affect Porthos. As Phlox sent the Cretacens everyone's genome before the Enterprise crew went down to the planet. Archer goes to the bridge. T'Pol tells him that they need to discuss something in his ready room. In Archer's ready room, T'Pol asks Archer if he remembers seeing Alvera trees, which are over 300 years old and are considered cultural treasures. Archer is pissy and asks if T'Pol has apologized and if they're going to get their plasma injector. T'Pol tells him that Porthos urinated on an Alvera tree. Archer blames the Cretacens for not telling them that there would be a, a pathogen that could affect Porthos. Had they known, Archer wouldn't have brought Porthos down to the surface, and Porthos wouldn't have been able to pee on the tree. T'Pol apologized on Archer's behalf, but Archer gets pissed and says that the Cretacens are the ones who should be sorry. He tells T'Pol that if anything happens to Porthos, he'll be the one watering their Alvera trees. <laughs> I just need need to point out, I'm glad that you uh, prefaced this by saying that basically you're going to be hearing us talking a lot about how childish Archer is being <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Uh, he's literally going to pee on their trees. Uh, in his quarters, Archer has a water polo game on TV and he's throwing a water polo ball at the wall. He misses Porthos, so he grabs his pillow and a blanket and goes down to sick bay to be near Porthos. Uh, Archer wonders if Phlox's medical background covers beagles as well as people. Phlox has degrees in a wide array of medical fields. Uh, Phlox has eliminated the pathogen in Porthos, but he doesn't know if Porthos's autoimmune system will stabilize before Porthos is affected by what would normally be harmless strains of bacteria. Archer tries to go to bed, but he's distracted by the sound of Phlox cutting his toenails with an electric blade. It's really gross. It's so gross. Uh, Archer goes back to bed, and Phlox gives his toenail clippings to one of the creatures in sickbay. As Archer is trying to sleep again, he is awakened by the sound of Phlox scraping his very long tongue. Also gross. Mm-hmm. Uh... Archer finally gets to sleep, but then he's awakened by the sound of creatures chirping. It's feeding time in sickbay. Archer was asleep for only one hour. He decides to leave sickbay and will check on Porthos in a couple hours. Later, Archer enters the gym. Uh, T'Pol is running on a treadmill. Archer starts running on a treadmill of his own. T'Pol asks about Porthos and then increases her speed. Archer matches her speed and inquires about the Cretacens. T'Pol increases her speed again. Archer matches her speed. T'Pol tells him that he shouldn't have brought Porthos to the planet's surface, as it was a diplomatic mission. Archer says that they could have asked them to leave Porthos behind. T'Pol tells him that he puts more value on Porthos than the ship. She increases her speed, and he matches again. Uh, she stops and starts walking away because she tells him she obviously can't keep up with him. Who she calls and tells Sapal that the Cretacens have sent their reconciliation demands. Archer and T'Pol, still in their gym clothes, go to the bridge. Hoshi hands over a pad with the demands on it. Archer laughs and says that the demands aren't as bad as he thought they'd be. And he goes back to sickbay. In sickbay, Archer is awakened by an alarm. 
Porthos has gone into anaphylactic shock. Uh, Flox's treatments aren't working, but he doesn't think Porthos is going to die. Flox tries a different treatment. Archer is still pissed about having to apologize to the Cretacens. Flox is fascinated that Archer cares so much about T'Pol's opinion of him. He asks Archer if his anger is due to more than just the situation with the Cretacens, and he asks how long it's been since Archer was intimate with a woman. Archer doesn't want to be psychoanalyzed. He just wants Flox to focus on Porthos. And then Archer goes back to bed. On the main view screen on the bridge, a Cretacen tells Hoshi that he is upset that the Enterprise hasn't had the courtesy to sync their time to that the Cretacen capital. The Cretacen is also upset that Archer hasn't responded within the three hours since they sent their apology demands. Back in sickbay, Archer is awakened by Phlox talking to something. Uh, Archer pulls back his curtain and a bat flies in his face. Phlox is trying to catch it with a net. This reminded me, by the way, of the uh, the episode of uh, Breaking Bad, for those who've seen it, um, where Walter is obsessed with the fly. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Uh, later, both Phlox and Archer work together to try to catch the bat. Phlox has a giant origami bird to distract the bat, and Archer has a net. They fail. As they hunt for the bat, Phlox once again brings up the sexual tension between Archer and T'Pol. Hoshi enters sickbay, and she grabs the bat in midair. She tells Archer that the Cretacens want to hear back from Archer. She leaves, and Archer goes back to bed. Cut to a pet cemetery. It's raining at night. Uh, the Enterprise senior staff is there wearing black suits, and Phlox is a priest. Archer and T'Pol get closer and hold hands. Cut to the decontamination chamber. It's like the beginning of the episode, except this time Flox tells them that Hoshi and Porthos are free to go, but Archer and T'Pol have to stay behind because they both picked up a pathogen. Archer and T'Pol are naked, and they start putting their hands all over each other. Flox uh, calls and asks if Archer has thought about why T'Pol's opinion matters so much to him. Uh, Archer and T'Pol kiss, and Archer wakes up. And it's 2.49 a.m. Uh, Archer tells Phlox that he dreamt that Porthos died. Phlox's second treatment also isn't working. Archer tells Phlox about how an ex-girlfriend's mother had a beagle that he really liked. The dog got pregnant and had four male puppies. The four musketeers. Uh, Archer has had Porthos since he was six weeks old. Um... Archer asks if Phlox had a pet because he had compared dogs to Denobulan lemurs earlier. Phlox tells him that the Denobulan lemur is highly sought after because their kidneys are considered a delicacy. T'Pol enters with some food for Archer and uh, Phlox. He's still snippy about the Cretacens, and he makes a Freudian slash Pilarian slip. This this part was terrible. It's, it's just awful. Yes. <laughs> the fact that you're having to talk about this and you're having to recount it. Yeah. So he makes funny and slips about how he's doing the best he can, but he says breasts he can and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saying list, but he says lips. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes back to the bridge. The alarm sounds again in sick bay. Phlox's treatment was partially effective. Porthos's immune system is stabilizing, but his pituitary gland is shot. Uh, Phlox has Archer bring him a uh, Carissian chameleon because he's going to use it 
as a pituitary gland donor for Porthos. That works, right? Yeah. Lizard to dog organ transplants? Sure, well, sure. It's the future. Oh, and he's, it is. Okay, okay. And uh, he's okay, Flux. He yeah, can, true. He true. could do anything. Uh, he also needs to drown Porthos for an hour. It's a procedure that neither Flux nor anyone he knows of has done before. Uh, Archer gets upset that Porthos is being treated like a guinea pig, and he says that Flux doesn't understand the bond between Archer and Porthos. Later at 3.44 a.m., Flox is performing the operation. So obviously, Archer has decided to go through with it. Uh, Archer reveals that there might be a bit of sexual tension between himself and T'Pol. Flox says that Archer can't ignore it, but he shouldn't tell T'Pol about it either. He should just be aware that it exists. They continue the operation, and Archer asks if there will be any side effects. Flox jokes that Porthos will be able to blend into the background. Flox reveals that he has three wives, and they each have three husbands, including Flox. Flox has five grown children, and there are 31 members of his extended family. Uh, Flox has two daughters who went into the medical field. His eldest son is a potter, and he hasn't spoken to his two other sons. Flox says he misses everyone, including the other husbands, but he's happy to be serving aboard the Enterprise. Archer apologizes to Flox and all the Denobulans for accusing them of being insensitive. Flox accepts and tells Archer that T'Pol told him that Archer is incapable of apologizing. At the Kratasan capital, a shirtless archer with paint on his body, beads in his hair, and a chainsaw in his hand speaks Kratasan and starts cutting a log as Paul, <laughs> Trip, Hoshi, and three Kratasans watch. Archer cuts through the log and places the wooden disc next to several others while speaking more Kratasan. When the Kratasans fail to respond, Archer goes back to his notes and tries again, putting the wooden disc in the right place this time. And the Kratasans are happy with his apology. On the Enterprise, Archer is eating breakfast in his ready room when T'Pol enters. She tells him that Trip is happy with the new plasma injector. The Kratasans were so happy with Archer's apology that they gave him two spare plasma injectors. Archer apologizes to T'Pol for any friction between them. T'Pol says it's good that Archer is her superior officer and that they can't allow each other to become attracted to one another, hypothetically speaking, of course, because then the friction could be much worse. Archer goes to sickbay and thanks Phlox for helping Archer change his mind about apologizing to the Kratassans. Phlox informs Archer that the transplant went well. Archer wakes Porthos up and carries him out of sickbay. As he's leaving, he tells Phlox that sickbay is all his. Phlox responds by saying that Archer is welcome back anytime and by giving Archer that creepy, exaggerated, denobulant smile. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. And it was terrible. It was terrible. Was it supposed to be funny? I, I can't even tell. I really... I really kind of don't know what to think here, but I think I do feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that he that Archer acts very out of character. Yes. Um, 
I mean, he's definitely had some sort of whiny moments in the past around different things like, you know, like, oh, you know, we this is the way things should be done. And, you know, this is the way I would do them. And why can't we do them that way? But it's always been a little bit more kind of like, not preachy isn't the right word, but, you know, just kind of like, this is the way things should be done. But this time it was just very, like, he gets, he's just so angry. Like you said, he is kind of like a like a petulant kind of teenager through mm-hmm. the whole episode. And I'm not really sure. Was this one um, written by uh, Brandon Braga and Rick Berman as well? Uh, I, I think be- it might have been. I believe so. Yeah. Yes, it was. So, which is just even more kind of flummoxing. Like, what? what's going on? These are the series creators, and they've just taken their captain and, and made him just look like a doofus mm-hmm. <laughs> for for 40 minutes, you know? Oh, oh, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I, I will say that the, uh, the, I was going to say prosthetic. The, the, um, the models of, uh, of Porthos that they use look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I guess they look good overall for TV. Like, like, yeah, like there are some points where it's clearly not, not a real dog anymore. Um, but at least they look like Porthos. Uh, wow. It's like the faintest praise imaginable. <laughs> Um, yeah, just so much weird stuff, like this stuff with, uh, to Paul. And so I was kind of watching it and thinking, like, is this one of those episodes? Because they've had a few episodes so far where they're supposed to be funny, but I never really thought they were very, I never thought they were funny. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. So I was just like, is this just not hitting me? Is it just not like, am I not getting this? Like, am, is there a joke that I'm not getting? Um, but because when it started out with the Denobulans, like, you know, that was kind of funny the last time they were around and they explained what had happened, like why they were upset. Oh, uh, the Cartassans? <clears throat> or Cartassans. Sorry, Denobulans. I'm mixing up all my alien races. Um, but basically, you know, the last time we encountered them, they had gotten super offended and everyone was wondering why, you know, what, what offended them this time? Uh, and it turned out it was eating in front of them. So it was kind of funny, you know, like a weird little, like crazy cultural faux pas in space. Right. Mm-hmm. But this time it was just like, I was expecting like, Oh wow, something really funny is going to happen. It has got a funny title, a night in sick bay, you know, but no, no, nope. it was just super awkward and weird. Yeah. And the Cretacean's, uh, I mean, they came off as reasonable <laughs> compared uh-huh. to Archer, but their whole apology thing, uh, with the chainsaw and the wooden disc. Oh, uh, yeah. With the, the ceremony. Yeah. That was just a bit much. It was kind of, be- so wait, what were, was he, was he cutting up one of the trees or was he just, for a second, I thought maybe he was cutting up like the tree had been so desecrated by, by, um, Porthos that they had to cut it down. Yeah, I guess. I maybe, or maybe they're just kind of obsessed with trees, mm. and all of their rituals involve trees. Yeah, I don't know. Cutting up slices of trees. All I know is that Archer, I'm not a big fan of Archer to begin with, but this is by far the lowest point for him. Yeah. I mean, really, he can only go up from here. <laughs> I hope. Maybe that was the point. <laughs> I mean, like, we're just gonna break archer down as low as he can go because there have been i mean there have been plenty of episodes plenty and i i this is so weird that it comes after you know it comes after a whole whole season plus now of us watching the show and saying you know what like archer's not quite as uh unbearable 
<laughs> as he was early on. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And then they go and they do this. And this episode all also had me thinking, I think it was when he was running on the treadmill next to T'Pol, and they were kind of having a conversation, and I just kept thinking how much I like Scott Bakula on Quantum Leap. Um, I thought he was great on that show. And he was just so kind of natural at it. And he has this natural kind of charm and natural um, kind of humor, like sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when he's as Archer, he's just sort of, you can tell, you can really tell he's acting. Yeah. And I almost feel like I want kind of Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap to be the captain. Like, I maybe not super goofy, but just kind of like a regular guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, be a little more like yourself, Bacula, you know? Right. Uh, and because when he loosens up a bit, he's like way more likable. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this isn't a real person, obviously. He's reading, he's reading dialogue that's been written for him. But, oof. And I remember I was reading the notes on Memory Alpha about this, and, um, uh, Flocks, um, uh, uh, Billingsley, right? Is that yeah, what saying? John Billingsley. Name? John Billingsley. He, he actually said this was one of his favorite episodes, uh, because he really liked working so much with Scott Bakula. And I can see that. But, um, I, I, guessing it wasn't his favorite in terms of you know being a good episode <laughs> yeah but who I knows mean, even flocks who's usually one of my favorite characters i uh, i didn't care for his portrayal in this episode that much oh he was gross yeah <laughs> with his weird um i was trying to think what his his toenails almost look kind of like almonds like, like when he chopped them off, ugh, ugh. like, like that doesn't make me. That doesn't make me go like, yay, flocks. I just go like, ew, yeah, ew, flocks. No, you're going into Neelix territory. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, um, probably my least favorite episode. Definitely my least favorite episode of Enterprise. Oh so yeah, far. I mean, hands down, this is the worst episode so far. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there's really any contest. Uh, but at least you got to see the consequences of bringing a dog on your missions, I guess. Yeah, no. <laughs> I still don't understand. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Archer. I still don't kind of understand how they didn't catch that there'd be a pathogen that could harm him. Uh, didn't they had his DNA. Didn't Flox kind of imply that the the Cretacens didn't even bother to look at the genome? No, oh, I guess so. So that's their bad, right? Yeah, but I mean, Archer's being real pissy about everything, though. Yeah, uh, it was just really annoying. His yeah. attitude was not bad. Attitude, Archer is not great. Yeah, I'm really gonna have to just try to block this one out. Yeah. So, um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Marauders. An all-new Enterprise. To save a desolate planet from rogue warriors, the crew goes where they have never gone before. Down and dirty. You've never seen a Klingon in battle, have you? This plan is a long shot. Show yourselves! I've never liked bullies. Enterprise. And we're back. Let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 6, Marauders. Original air date, October 30th, 2002. So here's your Halloween episode. Oh, okay, there we go. 
Um, the episode opens on some sort of settlement. Uh, humanish aliens are working oil pump like devices. They see a ship coming in for a landing. It's one of Enterprise's shuttle pods. Uh, then there's the opening credits. After the credits, Archer, T'Pol, and Trip exit the shuttle pod. They are not wearing their usual outfits, though they might be in their hot weather clothes, as Archer and Trip are wearing the outfits that they were wearing in the episode Desert Crossing. Yeah, they're desert, uh, desert uniforms. <laughs> Uh, Archer introduces himself to a pair of aliens who explain that they couldn't get hails because the comms are down. Um, Archer tells them that he's there for the deuterium that a Kratasin merchant told him about. They can't help because two of the pumps are down. Archer is desperate because they only have two weeks worth of deuterium, but the aliens insist that they can't help. Paul points out that the sensors show that they have more than 80,000 liters on hand. One of the aliens says that the deuterium is for someone else, and he starts walking away. The other asks if they can repair extraction pumps, and Trip offers to help. While Archer and T'Pol go off with the uh, two aliens, Trip goes back to the shuttle pod. Inside, he finds a kid in the pilot seat. He talks to the kid, who is named Kel. Trip invites Kel for a tour of the Enterprise later, uh, only if it's all right with Kel's parents. Meanwhile, Archer and Paul are negotiating with the aliens. They need six power cells, uh, but Archer says they can spare maybe three. The leader of the group explains to Archer that they have only three months of good weather in which they can pump deuterium. Uh... He says that he give them 200 liters for five power cells and no less. A woman in the group mentions that they need medical supplies. Archer then offers four power cells and all the medical supplies they can spare. Uh, the leader of the facility agrees as long as the Enterprise crew can repair their broken pumps. Uh, the leader gives them two days to repair the pumps and then leave. On the Enterprise, the woman from before is seeing one of the weird creatures that Phlox has in sickbay. Uh, I assume she's the doctor for the colony, and she wants some vascular adhesive, but Phlox offers her an auto-suture instead, which is apparently a very expensive piece of equipment. Phlox notes that she is taking medical supplies for some very serious injuries, such as plasma burns, she explains that processing deuterium can be dangerous. Flox uh, senses that something is wrong. On the planet, Archer talks to T'Pol about how rustic this colony is. Everything is falling apart, and Archer doesn't know why they aren't faring better, given that deuterium is so valuable. On the bridge of the Enterprise, Mayweather, Reed, and Hoshi see a ship dropping out of warp. On the ship are 12 Klingons. In the colony, uh, Trip is repairing a pump when someone calls saying that Karak's ship is arriving. Also in the colony, Archer and T'Pol are with the leader and the doctor. They explain that the Klingons believe they have an exclusive arrangement and would get angry if they saw the Enterprise and its crew. Archer calls Mayweather and tells him to get Enterprise out of sight of the Klingon ship. Six Klingons beam down to the planet's surface. 
the leader says that they weren't expecting Karak for three days, but Karak only cares about getting food and drink. The leader of the facility tells Karak they haven't met the deuterium quota yet. Uh, Tsapal can listen in on the conversation thanks to her Vulcan ears. <laughs> Doesn't Trip say something like, good ears? Yeah. Yeah, nice. The leader tells Karak that they need another week. Karak gets pissed and knocks him down and the leader's buddy. Uh, Trip wants to get involved, but Arthur holds him back. Croc gives them four days to get all the deuterium, and then he and his crew beam out. Uh, Archer, Trip, and Paul get the leader's buddy back to the main tent where the doctor can treat his wounds. The leader's buddy explains to Archer that the Klingons have been coming for the past five seasons, cleaning them out of their deuterium supplies. They have to get impure deuterium after the Klingons leave, which barely nets them enough profit to get through the winter. Trip can't believe that they haven't stood up to such a small band of Klingons. The leader explains that they tried fighting the Klingons three seasons ago, but five colonists died in battle and three more were killed by the Klingons just to prove a point. One of them was Kel's father. So there we find out he's not going up to the ship. (laughs) Uh, Archer offers his assistance. The leader just wants Archer to take his 200 leaders and go. As the way team is leaving, Trip looks back at Kel. Trip goes over to him and apologizes for not giving him a tour of the Enterprise. Kel tells Trip that the Enterprise could have beaten the Klingons. On the Enterprise, T'Pol enters Archer's ready room and tells him that the tutorium's been stowed. Archer doesn't want to leave yet, however. He wants to fight the Klingons. T'Pol counters that the Klingons might be beaten by Enterprise, but they might come back after the Enterprise leaves. Archer wants to call in some favors with the Klingon High Council. After all, they saved Klang in the episode Broken Bow, and they saved a Klingon cruiser from a gas giant in the episode Sleeping Dogs. T'Pol doubts that Kroc and his crew answer to the High Council. Archer wants to save the 76 settlers on the planet. Paul agrees, but she doesn't want to make the situation worse. On the planet, the colony leader is repairing a piece of equipment when Archer walks up. Archer helps with the repairs, and he wants the colonists to fight back with the assistance of the Enterprise crew. The colony leader brings up to Paul's argument that the Klingons would return after the Enterprise left. Archer tells him the give a man a fish saying... Not really sure how relevant that was, but okay. In the morning, Archer, Trip, T'Pol, and Reed are with the leader and his buddy as they look at all the weapons the colonists have. Reed offers to improve their weapons, but uh, they won't give them any of Enterprise's weapons because Reed says the battle won't be won with firepower. They're going to lead the Klingons into a trap using deception and surprise. The colony is modular, so they can move everything a bit without the changes being noticed. T'Pol tells the colonists that some of them will be shuttled uh, back to the Enterprise for training. They have three days to get everything ready. Uh, Then there's a montage of everything being moved. (laughs) In the Enterprise's armory, some of the colonists are being trained by Reed and Hoshi. Uh, Hoshi has become much more adept at using weapons. Back on the planet, things are still getting set up. Trip and Archer talk about the plan, and Archer explains that he's never liked bullies. 
back on the Enterprise, Tabal trains some colonists in a basic evasion technique that is part of the Vulcan martial art, uh, Susmana. Back on the colony, things are still getting set up. Uh, Kel tells Trip that he doesn't want to hide from the Klingons. There's another montage of people training and of things getting set up in the colony. Uh, the colony leader and Archer are clearly exhausted. The leader is worried about people surviving their fight with the Klingons. Archer tells him about his first encounter with the Sulaban and that he is confident that they can win. Mayweather calls and tells Archer that the Klingons are on their way. Uh, the Klingons beam down. The colony appears to be deserted. Croc notices that the pumps are stopped as the Klingons are exploring when the colonist pops out and gets the Klingons' attention. He runs and the Klingons chase after him. Then the battle begins. Reed starts sniping the Klingons from a hill as the colonists and some of the Enterprise crew sneak up on the Klingons. T'Pol's evasion technique is used at least twice, and T'Pol herself gets to show off some of her martial arts skills on one of the Klingons. Uh, Karak sees where the colonists are hiding. Just to show how evil he is, he says that they'll kill another four colonists, perhaps even Kel. Archer is bummed to discover that the Klingons didn't go where he wanted them to go. Uh, he needs them to move, so he starts moving the colonists. The Klingons starts following and end up right where Archer wanted them to be. But Croc figures out the colony has shifted right as they fall into the trap, which is a ring of fire in the deuterium field. Uh, Archer tells the colony leader, who we finally know is named Tessic, to talk to the Klingons. <laughs> finally! How many times were we going to have to call him the leader? Uh, the Klingons are about to fire their weapons, but Tessic tells them that there are two more wellheads right underneath the Klingons, and they can leave now or get exploded. Uh, <laughs> Tessic warns Croc that the colonists will be ready for Croc next time, and that they aren't afraid of the Klingons anymore. Croc says that he can find deuterium anywhere, and then he and his crew beam out. <laughs> Fine, I don't need your deuterium anyways. I'm out. Uh, later, Trip finds Kel in the shuttle pod's pilot seat again. Trip gives Kel a present, uh, a pad with the schematics for the Enterprise on it. Outside, Tessic has given Archer 2,000 liters of deuterium as payment for helping them get rid of the Klingons. Archer and T'Pol head back to the shuttle pod. Tessic, his buddy, and Kel watch as the shuttle pod leaves as the episode ends. Hey, it was, uh, it was kind of the A-team in space. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, obviously inspired by Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, partway through it, I was thinking, wait a second, I remember a Western like this. And then later on, I was thinking, wait a second, I remember an Akira Kurosawa film like this. And then I looked at Memory Alpha, and it, and I saw um, Seven Samurai mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they were kind of like a Space A-team. They were... They were coming up with a plan to help the the helpless uh, deuterium miners. You just needed Archer saying that he loves it when a plan comes together. <laughs> that would have been great. Or if just Phlox shows up for no reason with a space cigar, <laughs> um, which is like a cigar, but it's made of lucite, so it's clear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I guess they would. They don't really smoke on Star Trek, so maybe be a holographic cigar. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, who was the Mr. T in this case? Um, Mr. Trip? Yeah, Trip. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to think that um <clears throat> that Reed was really pleased that he finally got to uh, put some of his military tactics to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think of this episode? Well, considering the last episode, <laughs> this was a, an amazing episode. Yeah, anything pretty much that aired after A Night in Sick Bay was just instantly going to be amazing, <laughs> right? Uh, well, no, but um, I mean, do you have any any kind of thoughts? I mean, where do you place it on your, your uh, scale of Enterprise? Um, it was kind of a middling episode, to be honest. It was just kind yeah. of—I mean, it was entertaining enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it had Klingons in it. It had Klingons in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Klingons that, you know, clearly could be dissuaded and didn't ever once talk about their honor being besmirched or something. I mean, uh, they were marauders. True. Yeah, they didn't answer to anybody. They were just going, giving people a hard time. Mm hmm. Yeah. I thought. Um, not, not to mix our universes here. I thought that the, that this little camp looked a lot like Tatooine or something yeah, <laughs> from I, Star Wars. Yeah, it did look a little <laughs> something out of Star Wars. But, um, yeah, the, the tale of the old Western tale of, you know, the good guys helping the, the poor townspeople against the bad guys. I mean, we've seen it a lot before. This just happened to be the Enterprise version of it. It was good. It was nice to see two things, I would say. It's nice to see the the crew working as a team Mm -hmm. uh, to help these people out. Um, It was nice to have, oh, a a kid, a child actor that wasn't totally annoying, (laughs) except that he kept getting into the shuttle pod. Um, And then T'Pol was a badass. Like, she was great Mm -hmm. with her martial arts. I mean, she was really kicking butt like literally she's kicking klingon butt mm-hmm. she did this one like takedown though uh of one of the klingons that seemed almost like it was in slow motion but it wasn't but it was almost like i'm gonna do this little move on the ground with my legs and then the stuntman's just gonna kind of slowly lay down on the <laughs> ground i thought that looked kind of wonky but yeah, I still thought it was cool, and how she, uh, you know, didn't want them, be, uh, clearly didn't want the Klingons running off and knowing that, that a Vulcan had helped, so she wrapped a bandana around her ears. Mm. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Uh, I, I mean, I'm figuring that's why they wanted to f- look like it was just the uh, just the uh, the miners that were fighting them. Yeah, that would make sense. So they wouldn't know, like, oh, wait, a Klingon was help or a Vulcan was helping them? What's up with that? Who knew that these miners had super strength? Yeah, right? (laughs) So. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was alright. It was just good that it wasn't horrible like the previous episode. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I need some more, I need some more really, really uh, nice and, like, good episodes. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully the rest of the season is... uh, Yeah, more peaks than valleys. Yep. More Vulcan ears than, um, hmm, I don't know. Something low. (laughs) Yeah, just, I don't know. Maybe it was because I saw it right after A Night in Sick Bay was, I just kind of wasn't really into it Mm. in general. I was just kind of, I had such a bad taste in my mouth about Enterprise (laughs) in general that I was just kind of like, hmm. Yeah. And then when, you know, when basically whenever Archer was saying anything, I was like, oh, God, 
oh no, don't be like last episode. Yeah. He starts talking about giving a guy a fish. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. How about you do something like, give a guy a, f- <laughs> a fish, give him a phaser. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. He was, at least he wasn't all pissy about the Klingons. He just, yeah, true. He just hates bullies. He just hates space bullies. So. Yeah, no Porthos in this episode, unfortunately. Oh, he's still he rested. Oh, right with his. So, how crazy would it be if his, uh, if his, uh, chameleon's, uh, pituitary gland actually did allow him to go invisible? Yeah. That would add a whole new element to this show. <laughs> like a superpowered dog. Yeah, he's, he's cool. with Archer the whole time. He's just yeah, invisible. He's always with him now. He goes on all the missions, you just can't see him. Yeah, I thought it would be funny if during the fight, uh, one of the Klingons was uh, was about to kill one of the the miners, and and he realized his like his ankle was being pulled <laughs> by an invisible dog, by a bugle, as Flocks uh, would call him. Right. No, a bugle. Yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping Enterprise picks up because it's starting to fall back into season one area, mm-hmm. where it's kind of. It's fine, but not great. Mm-hmm. Especially after we've seen that the show can actually get really good. Mm-hmm. So, come on, Enterprise, more of that. Yeah, we're pulling for you. I hope so. I mean, well, that we've was... heard that it gets quite good. Yeah, that's what everyone tells me. Oh, we just gotta hang in there, buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm trying, but if they're gonna throw more United Sick Bay in. At me. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. I think some people have called it the worst episode of Star Trek ever, so. Ah, we can do this. All right. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about two episodes again. Uh, the Seventh mm. and The Communicator. Oh. Hmm. Is that about Hoshi? I'm just kidding. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I did I did notice that uh, the seventh is the seventh episode of season two. Oh, okay. Well that's uh convenient. Maybe they Hopefully just got more creative than that. Maybe they just got really lazy with their episode titles. Yeah. They're like uh, it's the seventh episode, you know. Hmm, hmm. Or maybe it wasn't originally going to be and it was called the seventh and they thought, ah, it'd be funny if we make this episode seven. Sure. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye, folks.